up, citizens? It's Vincent Jones, a.k.a. Citizen Jones, here with another episode of Quarantine and Chill, a daily podcast where we talk to LGBTQ people from around the world, learning more about their story and how they are experiencing the coronavirus pandemic, or what I affectionately call the zombie apocalypse. So grab a drink with or without alcohol and tag a few friends on the socials to join you for this kiki. And let's quarantine and chill. You know you can't go nowhere. Hell no. Hello there, Aisha. How are you doing over there in London town? I am good. I'm very good. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to chat to you this evening, my time anyway. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm sure you are snug in bed, ready to after right now while we're talking. <laughs> and to be honest, it's been raining, so it's actually the perfect time to go to sleep. <laughs> ah. What is um so I know people everybody knows London as in general, but maybe can you share a little bit about what you love about London and a little bit about its queer life? Yeah, of course. I mean, what I don't like is the rain, but I think it wouldn't be <laughs> London without it. It's very, um, it's very British. Um, but in terms of London nightlife and like what it means to be queer for me, it's just um, the diversity in terms of everything, um, in terms of what it has to offer from, I don't know, a range of performances. It's just got a range of communities that I feel that's what makes it so special. I love that. I love that. So a little bit of everything. It's not just Downton Abbey or the, what you see on the crown, but it really has, <laughs> <laughs> it has like a um, a little flair for, for you, you can have your clacking the fan crowd over here, your um, like your artsy theater crowd over here, your less there crazy drunk crowd over here and everything in between. Exactly. I mean, um, you can find wherever you belong. And I think that's what's quite beautiful about it. Um, I feel like um, it's probably one of the most diverse cities in the world. Um, I know New York might want to challenge that. but um. <laughs> So before we get into more about you and how you are helping to contribute to the nightlife and the fabulosity of London, um, let's do a few hot topics, okay? Oh, that's hot. Go for it. So one thing that is um, a, an unfortunate reality of the COVID crisis here in the United States is that Black and brown people are really the bulk of folks who are getting sick and dying of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Is that something, something you're seeing also in the UK? Um, that's, you know what, we've been, I've been talking to a couple of friends about this and, um, it's very, it's fascinating because I, I always thought, um, the US and the UK, um, have a lot of similarities and they tend to in so many respects, but, um, right now during like COVID-19, um, in terms of statistics, that's not the same for us. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same at all. And obviously we have the difference of our NHS and the national healthcare, um, meaning that a lot of us really don't have to pay extra private health insurance. So um, I feel like over the years, we've just got a more spread kind of, um, I would say an equal distribution of care. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so in a time like this, you don't see that big jump or that big difference between, I don't know, um, different communities, um, which, yeah, which I think we're quite lucky to have that right now. Um, mainly our hospitals, our NHS actually are run and run by a lot of um, uh, migrants and they're run by a lot of people who are not based in the UK or from the UK. Um, so they are literally the champions and the heroes of this crisis for us. Um, but in terms of fatalities and the number of cases, actually in the UK, it's relatively low. Wow, that's interesting. So it's basically you're seeing somewhat of a equal distribution throughout the population in terms of demographics and in terms of who has it, or, or, or at least it's not, it's not your race or um, your ethnicity is not a determining factor for your probability of having it. Well, probably yeah, that. exactly. So for us in the UK, we're looking at more people who are vulnerable in terms of um, because of their age, because of existing conditions, as opposed to race. I mean, race for us, if you look at the demographics and the ethnicity, um, people of color are actually the lowest casualties of COVID-19 here. That is fascinating, because um, in the US, in some, in some cities, in some states, the Black people, in particular Black men, I think in mm-hmm. Milwaukee, almost 75% of the people who have died from COVID-19 are Black men. I believe it's Milwaukee. That's incredible. I mean, I, I can't believe that at all because, I mean, so much, I mean, we had loads of myths going on saying that uh, um, Black people can't catch, you know, coronavirus just because our numbers were so low um, that for us, you know, so many people are, you know, thinking actually we are, we might be a bit more immune to it, which is not obviously the case. Um, right. But I just, yeah, I just feel like... Um, because I think generally our population um, has an equal form of um, healthcare, so it just it depends on I guess existing um, I don't know health cases that really makes a difference here. Yeah, definitely. On a different note, I know one of the the, the thing that the UK was in news for a lot prior to COVID nineteen was Brexit and. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so seems like a long time ago now right right like now it's like brexit what brexit who <laughs> so, so how has um brexit either been complicated by the COVID-19 crisis or or not oh right now I don't it's non-existent <laughs> um right now actually the main focus and priority is COVID-19 um and it is to kind of try and ensure that it's a little bit more stable um, and I don't think Brexit is going to be um, the priority for till probably the end of the year. Mm. Do you think that um, with the Boris Johnson, um, that's his name, right? Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. Yeah, that's him. Do you think Little that the, Boris Johnson? <laughs> do you think that him, him having, um, you know, basically been, you know, had COVID nineteen and surviving, has that helped people to? Like to help to soften up his image, any at all? Are you getting any goodwill from that, or do you still? No. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, you know, um, I don't know whether um, this is happening in the US, but um, in Europe, all across Europe, including the UK, because we're still in Europe for now, 
Um, mm -hmm. Every Thursday at 8 p.m., we'll go outside and we clap for the NHS, for all the nurses, doctors and carers who are on the front line and helping during this crisis. Um, when Boris Johnson was ill, um, they actually announced that we should do that every Wednesday or do it at least a particular Wednesday for Boris Johnson. And there was silence. Nobody went out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's by no means a way to get a consensus, but it's, it kind of screams a little bit of volume. Um, but every Thursday, <laughs> Thursday since we started... Um, since the lockdown happened in London, we've been clapping and making noise and cheering for the NHS staff. Um, but yeah, definitely nothing for Boris Johnson. And I don't I think... think him, I'm sorry, we cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, no worries. I was going to say, and I don't think him actually getting it uh, makes a difference. If anything, people blame him for getting it because um, at the beginning, he was a little bit reluctant to put in measures right, just because right. he wasn't sure it was spreading that quickly. And um, people assumed that he actually got it because he went to a hospital and he was shaking people's hands and he was being very, you know, blase about it. So mm -hmm. a lot of people just thought he was a little bit stupid <laughs> for behaving that way. But obviously, he probably might have not got it during his visit, but... Um, it's just that assumption that um, he kind of brought him up on himself, really. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. I wonder, you know, if if um, if Trump were to get it, I think people would go out every day to celebrate <laughs> the fact that he got it and hope and pray that he he doesn't <laughs> did recover. Um, yeah, no, I I can see that. And do you know what? Um, I was watching um, the news and I spotted Putin. And Putin, I'm like, Putin ain't going to get it because he's there in a full-on suit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this ain't getting me. I know you. People are, like, out to get him. He's, like, fully equipped. You know, he's got his breathing mask, apparatus, everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah, listen, <laughs> I'm not messing with the Rona. Like, <laughs> Putin said, I heard Cardi B. <laughs> and, and Cardi said, coronavirus didn't get real. Sometimes, yeah, he was not messing around. I like that. Precaution from day one. <laughs> yeah. So maybe you can share a little bit about what you do in London town and um, how it's been affected by the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate because... Um, you know, London keeps obviously growing, especially within the queer scene. But um, over the last two years, I've been running a queer, um, well, LGBT travel company, which specifically showcases the best of London, the best of LGBT London to travellers. And um, yeah, it's been a wonderful journey because um, I started it because I felt that um, queer people won't get in enough authentic experience when they travel to, you know, big cities, which can be overwhelming because there's so much going on. Um, you know, there's so many tools, there's so many different things you can do, but to mm -hmm. actually get that authentic experience, especially at night, is rare. You know, um, the epicenter of the gay community, you know, known as the gayborhood is equivalent, well, it's called Soho here. 
And mm -hmm. um, many people might stumble upon it by accident because they're in the West End, they've gone to the theatre or they're shopping across Oxford Street and they might, you know, stumble across um, Soho. And as great as it is, you know, I've had amazing times over there, but it doesn't really reflect the whole LGBT community. Um, the best things in London that are queer don't happen in, in Soho because it's very commercial. Um, it's full of tourists and, you know, it, um, it kind of um, caters to the, ex to I don't know, the mainstream gay or queer people who, you know, just want to go out. And, you know, as I said, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you are after something um, different and something that would, leave a lasting memory um, because going out to commercial clubs we can do in every city in your own city but right. find, finding those hidden gems you don't come across all the time and that's what I um, try to give to all my guests and offer that service to all my guests um, and it's a shame now due to COVID-19 that has to be well that you know has to be stopped um, but I'm trying to see whether I can deliver a little bit of that experience online as well, um, just to be able to connect and communicate with other queer travelers around the world, just to give them a different insight into London. And hopefully when they can physically get here, um, they can join me as well. And how, so I know London has a very vibrant nightlife, a very vibrant mm -hmm. queer nightlife, so how are those, the queer folks who make it so fabulous, how are they faring? Like, are they getting support from the government um, or, or, or not? Like, what, what, what is that looking like? I'm sure a little bit of that story. Um, currently, I mean, I think we have uh, extensive support um, for everybody at the moment um, in terms of, uh, so we've got a furlough scheme where businesses can apply and the government mm -hmm. will pay 80% of their salary up to two and a half thousand pounds. So they're trying to ensure that people don't have to lose their jobs. Um, it, for, at the beginning, it didn't actually um, target self-employed um, people and it didn't target freelancers and creatives. So now that has been changed. But unfortunately, you have to have been self-employed, I don't know, within the last two years and have paid your taxes in the last two years and all this kind of um, factors that kind of seem to stop people from applying at the same time. So there is help. And I, don't, I would say for perhaps 80% of people, they're okay. Um, but the rest, the 20%, it's, it's not the case because you're bound to have people that fall into that crack and they don't kind of quite fulfill the requirements. Right. Um, but in terms of, I don't know, I, I feel it's a good enough support. Um, but just like anything, you find the artists within our communities are suffering. You know, people from marginalized communities um, are suffering as well. Um, POC people are suffering. I mean, um, they've been putting on a lot of um, charity and funding um, initiatives. Um, and there is like a UK... Um, QT POC Relief Fund, which currently has gone past £20,000, and they're looking at getting £50,000 to try and also further support the LGBT community. 
Um, so although the government has got initiatives, I think the community also want to do their bit to ensure that um, a lot of us are still looked after. And is that, um, and for folks I know, um, QTPOC is Queer and Trans People of Color. So for the mm -hmm. Queer and Trans People of Color Fund, is that being organized by an organization or by a group of individuals? Um, it's by several organizations that have come together um, to try and ensure that once that kind of funding comes in, they can spread it around um, equally and distribute it. And um, I know, good. yeah, yeah, it's very, very good. I was very impressed because it went up very quickly um, and it's got tons of support. That's why they've, because they were initially after 20K and they've moved it to 50K just because um, they're getting a lot of support and individuals are also um, trying to, you know, create initiatives so that they can support in any way. I mean, again, for myself, once I get my online experience going, that would go towards supporting all the freelancers and artists within the community. Um, just because I think they are what makes our community special. A lot of us um, found ourselves within the nightlife scene. You know, the scene is it's not just about going out for our community, it's actually sometimes what defines us as well. Um, right. Sometimes not in the best way, but it's how most people tend to um, build that confidence to later on come out or to feel better about who they are. No, definitely. I, I think your, your, your tribe, so to speak, really does define you. I think nowadays as people feel a little more nameless or, mm. um, or, or, or hidden in this world that is so busy and, and crowded, that you can find your niche, your crew, your tribe, um, you really feel like you belong. And I think in the queer community, we have probably perfected that whole concept. That's why you have like all of these like micro communities within a community. You know, you can be yeah. a, you know, a, you know, like, like I know like right now I'm fascinated. I found there is a, a former intern of mine at this like um, government reform nonprofit um, he kind of came out to me when he was my intern and he was a high school senior maybe. And, um, now he's, he's out of college and I, and we just reconnected. He's, he's one of those, I don't know what you call them, but they wear like the, the like the, the rubber, um, dog mask. Well, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, and, and that, and he has a whole name, the whole person. He's like a tutu oh. and a dog mask. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, Hunter, you live your fabulous life. I um, love that. Yo, there yeah, is and, and, something out there for all of us. For everybody, for everybody. Mm. But that gives him meaning and identity. And I think, um, and we have a lot more niches like that within our community that if they don't have the access to that, um, then it makes it harder for them to really feel whole. So I totally understand what you mean by mm. that part of it. Yeah, the nightlife is very important. And sometimes I feel it's... Um, it shapes our lives sometimes a little bit too much because that's all we had to begin with. And I think only yeah. at a later stage do we also explore other things, you know, as great as it is to always go out. I think um, it's also important to seek um, different activities that are not just based around alcohol or sometimes um, drugs. You know, our community does suffer a lot with drugs, 
um, alcohol abuse, as well as mental health. And constantly being surrounded in those avenues doesn't help us. Um, and I think that's probably what the community needs to do more, is to help offer a range of activities that aren't just um, alcohol-based. I mean, I know in the US is happening, you know, you're getting more and more sober spaces now more than ever, which is great. And so people can still go out, but they can connect more in spaces that doesn't mean you have to get intoxicated. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, something made me think about is how, we made me think of two things. One, I just flashing back to me being a young baby gay in New York City mm-hmm. and going to this club called Crash, which happened to be a few blocks away from where I lived. And it was a black and Latino gay bar. Ooh. And up to that point, I had never seen that many black, I don't think I've maybe seen one or two openly gay black or Latin people. And so me as a young black baby gay, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know <laughs> there are black gay folks who like hip hop and R&B and uh. pop and this and that. And so it, it was definitely, it was so self-affirming. But also, we're talking about people kind of the, um, um, as they grow older, and like their idea of community can expand and be mm. and be can be different. It's like we want to be more complete, more whole. The, the 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 nightlife is still a big part of it, and it made me realize how I've been talking to some college friends, mostly a bunch of straight married women, who they're looking for outlets to have like a mm. dance floor or whatever else because they don't have it normally. But mm. my and my gay friends, I have gay friends who have been having. Like um, Zoom parties where they wear jock straps and and mm-hmm. and like like all kinds of, like like the, the the DJs with the drag queen shows and like the all kinds of things like really putting the the nightlife experience online. Whereas my straight friends have not been doing that as much. And so so I feel like the the queer community is definitely like the nightlife and the dance floor and that part of it. No matter how where we get to in life that's still an important part of our experience. Yeah, definitely. And you're right about that because looking at it every day, every day, there's somebody going live on my Insta story, a performer, or there is an um, event organizer or club night hosting something. You know, it, it, it doesn't stop because, you know, we've just perfected it over the years. We know how to have a good time. Um, yes. Just because I think we've grown up with, uh, you know, being traumatized and going through, you know, the worst, you know, form of things within our, um, you know, within our lives that we let loose at night. And it's the only time that we feel we can just let all that go. And I have a question. So a lot of the times the nightlife is very male, um, um, like um, gay male dominated or like defined. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so there's the, you know, someone, someone I interviewed recently um, kind of coined this phrase. Well, well, she, I don't know if she coined it, but she said this, that's this phrase. So uh, um, the digital U-Haul, um, how, how, you know, she's found somebody she's been dating and uh, basically they brought out the digital U-Haul and they're like, they're already like talking all the time on, on Zoom and on and text and whatnot. But I wonder now that, you know, now that there's more stuff online and given that there is at least stereotypically, um, and probably in real life, lesbians tend to be more nesters. Do you mm-hmm. feel, feel that now there could be an opportunity for more of the 
queer in that life to really speak to lesbian experience more because it can get to them where they are as opposed to having them have to come out and go places. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I can see. Um, it really varies because um, I also work with um, her social app, um, which is, I don't know if you've heard of it, is a queer no. women's app. So it's, um, it's, a, it's the equivalent to Tinder, but for queer okay. women. So it's What's a it dating app. It's her, H-E-R. So ah, it just says the pronouns her. Um, okay. And it's, um, so as well as a dating app, it's also a social event where we put on like big parties in various cities in like 15 different cities. Um, and we tend to bring queer women together. So it's not just, so you tend to go on the app, you chat to people just similar to Tinder, but also then um, a couple times during the year, you get to meet those people in real life. So we put on a party to kind of gather them. Um, and what I like about it is the fact that we're trying to get you know, women to socialize more. So at the beginning, it's all about having various games where you actually get to talk to people as opposed to coming into the club and it's just music and coming in with your friends and dancing or drinking. So it's got that kind of social um, element of it. And because of COVID-19, they've done, we've been doing loads of trials online in terms of trying to offer various forms of talks online for queer women, but also trying to see whether there are different ways to connect with queer women right now. And I think it's quite difficult because um, it really depends on the age group that you're at. You know, mm -hmm. so many, if you're, I guess, slightly older, you're not as interested into clubbing or the nightlife aspect of it. Um, but what seems to work right now is um, doing like online dating. So at the moment, that's what's going on. And that's what people tend to enjoy is um, actually getting an opportunity to meet women. on. Zoom. So we've got like um, equivalent of Zoom where you come into a room and it would rotate and you chat to different people three minutes at a time. Um, and it just rotates oh, throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just so that you enter like a room. Like speed dating. Speed dating online, basically. But changing gears for a second. We have mm -hmm. a segment on the podcast called What Would You Do? Where I give you a scenario oh, and I ask yeah. you, what would you do? Are you okay. ready? Yeah. <coughs> Coronavirus! Coronavirus! Excuse me. So this is, this is one is like a, it's maybe it's like way out of left field, but it's an experience people are dealing with. So okay. you're, you have a child in private school. That has been closed Ooh. most of the year due to the stay-at-home orders, um, and they're telling you it's probably going to be a, probably going to be closed at least through the fall. Okay. However, the bill comes and they expect their full payment. What would you do? Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Just like, like, say what now? <laughs> um, that's a no from me. You ain't getting nothing. <laughs> I'm paying. <laughs> she was like, oh no, I'm going straight Randy Jackson on you for American Idol. It's a no for me, for me, dog. It's definitely a no for me, dog.
you know, well, I'm not even going to waste my breath. Like, um, I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> an e- not even an email. I'm writing a letter. I'm posting it. I'm going to express my disgust in this. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> Citizens, what would you do in a scenario? You can go to our Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. Let us know right now. You can also post it to your Instagram story or on Twitter. Just make sure to add us or to use the hashtag Quarantine and Chill. We'll share it. What's happening in, um, in the UK around that? Because I imagine the kids aren't going to school. They have to go home. They're, being home. They're doing a virtual school from home. Are they still having to pay the same tuition they would pay for private school? Oh, I see. So for us here, um, most of us are, our school is free, but in terms of universities... Um, yeah, so if you are below age 18, you don't pay for anything. Um, but anybody who's above 18, who's pursuing further education, um, will be paying. And the thing is you pay per term. So essentially they've already paid. Um, so it's not like they would be backdating it. Um, Mm -hmm. so because of that, what the schools are doing is they haven't, like for me, I do work at university, um, they are actually um, doing virtual lectures and, and they've provided all their online materials. And currently now we've just finished testing um, online exams as well. So mm-hmm. all the exams that they should have been doing this term will be online. And if this carries on throughout the summer, they'll be able to sort out those exams as well. So in terms of what they've paid, they still get in everything in return. So they're not missing out because of the crisis, basically. So again, it's all about adapting. Um, Just before everything went into lockdown, um, we managed to video all our like um, chemistry um, experiments. We've managed to put all materials online. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, to be honest, I wasn't even here because I was on holiday to Vietnam. This is what was going on. I'm like, I don't care about this right now because I'm on holiday. Um, But I was keeping up today in terms of what was happening. Um, And I was fortunate that I left the country just just before everything went like full blast, full blown and over the top. So I managed to enjoy two weeks away in Fukok. And then when I came back, uh, my university closed down on the Friday and I came back on the weekend on the Saturday. So I've been in lockdown wow. for five weeks now. So basically, since I went on holiday, I haven't been back to work since um, end of March. Well, mid-March. That, I mean, that's, that, I mean, you got lucky. I got lucky. And everywhere we went in Vietnam, we were like a day ahead of everything closing, things getting worse. We got back to London without a problem. Um, And we felt actually very safe in Vietnam. Um, The people who broke um, coronavirus were actually um, foreigners and Europeans. So we're like, damn it, because it was actually safe. (laughs) (laughs) But they had their measures like um, quite early in place, like in the hotel we were in, every day they were sanitizing everything. Literally, I'll come back into my room and they've mopped my room, you know, it was incredible. And um, all public transports, every time you're on public transport, you have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, so airports, you're wearing masks. And um, yeah, so we felt really, really safe. And um, we haven't fallen ill since our return. We've more or less been okay. Um, 
That's good. No, 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 no I was, it's, um, you know, I was, I, when, it, when it was all starting, I was thinking, oh, let, I should go somewhere. Because I didn't take it as seriously as I should have initially. Mm. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it's really cheap to go to Peru. I can maybe, <laughs> I can do the, the Inca Trail. It'll be, nobody will be there. I can go to Machu yeah. Picchu, it'll be much cheaper. Um, yep. It's like a 250 round trip flight. But then I'll start reading, oh, they're going to close the borders. They're going to do a quarantine. I'm like, yeah. oh, no. Yeah. But then, so then here, in, here in the U.S., when they said they're going to cancel sports, I said, oh, no. When they say they're going to cancel sports, it's serious. So <laughs> gonna so I said, I'm going to keep my behind at home. And go home. Yeah. I mean, I was tempted to stay in Vietnam during this time, but I didn't want to face the possibility of not coming back to the U.K. for a good couple of months. Mm-hmm. I mean, I probably wouldn't have complained because it's sunny over there. There's the beach. The food is incredible. So it probably wouldn't have been the worst place to get stranded in. No, so definitely, definitely. Um, where, where, where do you want to travel to when this is all over? Well, you know what? Well, I think all of this will give us a, a, a lot more appreciation for travel. Um, I was actually due to go to Italy. But I think I'm just gonna avoid Europe <laughs> for a little bit um, and probably go back to Asia just because I feel people are very aware of wearing masks and just being a little bit more, I don't know, thoughtful about other people because even if you don't show the symptoms, wearing masks and certain things like that just prevents you from spread, spreading it. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember whilst in Vietnam, the moment you enter a restaurant, they would give you, they would literally put sanitizer on your hand. Oh. <laughs> so oh. They would not let you sit down <laughs> without sanitizing your hand. And I love that because I just think over the years, this will probably change our habits. You know, you, everybody just needs to wash their hands more often. Yeah. So, and I wonder, it makes me think to that point in terms of like street food, you know, there's always this fear among, foreigners eating street food because of the cleanliness. I wonder mm. if now even the people who sell street food are going to enhance their um, sanitary practices. And so then it opened it open up a whole new um, realm of food for me because I have a sensitive stomach and I will not mm-hmm. eat street food in most places. Mm. I do not. It all stems from a little tangent. When I was in Guatemala for six weeks, and I was like learning Spanish and it was my last two weeks there. And I thought, I've been here for a month. I can like, I bought this like um, corchata, like it's like, like, it's like this um, rice milk that's in a plastic baggie out of a window mm. from the house. And I thought, oh, I'll be fine. I've been here for a while. I've gotten sick, girl. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, got, I got sick. I got sick. I was, like, I was like, damn, it's like my last week and a half in the country. And oh. I was ready. I was about to go traveling around because I, I I didn't have any class last week, and I was just in the bed or in the bathroom. And ever since then, that was oh, you must have been so gutted. Oh no. Oh, oh I mean, I mean, but I mean, the one benefit I think I lost some weight, so I was a little more snack. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, However, hey, silver lining. <laughs> but but I wonder. I wonder if it'll because because I've. Because I have been seeing, I know in Thailand, they're talking about for um, you know for Songkran, their their New Year just passed, mm. and um, they celebrate with these massive water 
balloon fights or water gun fights or there's water fights around like out in the town, out in mm-hmm. the city, out in the streets. And um, they had all these requirements about the water that you used and that's the standard Ooh. that you use the water in and a bunch of other stuff to make sure. Well, they didn't do it this year, but it's yeah. like what they, it's like even for last year, I, I, I get, I mean, or, or no, it was for this year. Like they, I guess they're doing small things beforehand, but they didn't have the big ones around um that they normally have because of the of the pandemic but they upgraded their um their um their standards as a result of i know I, I think it was maybe like stars or one of the other things that made them do it they've done it for a few years i think that's great like literally yes to more of this and also another thing that i i do like now um mm-hmm. during this quarantine is when we go like um shopping um, all the supermarkets, you have to stand like two meters um, mm-hmm. apart and mm-hmm. you have to queue outside and only X amount of people are allowed inside. And once, you know, you'll be queuing for a little bit, I'll say 10, 15 minutes if it's like a really big store. But once you get in, it's a nice experience. It's not crowded. You know, it's nice and relaxing spaces in between. Let's keep that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. apart from me taking an over an hour to go shopping but I just love the fact that everything seems a little bit more tidy because it's not like a swarm of people going in messing it all up you know it's like it's a little bit more orderly <laughs> and I imagine for the store too it's better for security because they know they're, they're monitoring who's coming in and going out there's yep. probably been a lot less theft in this time period around the world as a result that's true. That's true. And oh my God, our air is so much cleaner. I just think so maybe, we, yeah, like just the world should have a month break all the time. No cars, nothing. Just literally stay in your home. Because like now, I think more and more people can see they can work from home. You know, like my company or many people's company refuse to pay for certain things so that mm-hmm. people can work from home. But now you can have all your meetings online because we're doing it now because we're forced to. Right. You know, so I think a lot more people might realize, actually, why am I spending a lot of time commuting when I don't need to, when I can actually do my job as equally as well, like at home? No, I completely agree with you. I can think there has been a lot of talk about this, um, about um, doing every year. And I know that in Bali, they have a day that just passed. I think it's part of their New Year's also, where the entire, the entire, like all of Bali, they have to be silent. So you can't make any noise. So you can't watch TV. You can't drive your drive your car or your moped. You can't, like, no microwave button. Like, basically, <laughs> whatever will make noise, you're supposed to not do. You're supposed to reflect and kind of be quiet. And oh. while that, while you're able to do stuff that, that uses energy and everything else, it is basically like a, like a one-day quarantine. Yes, it is. It is. I think the world should really adopt quarantine day or quarantine weekend or month. I think yeah. we, we I mean, need to have I mean, a, a holiday. Month, <laughs> a month is hard though. A month is hard because imagine because like I still I think like if it's because it is a little bit of a for some of us who don't have as much space. Um, like I live in, by myself in a decent sized apartment, so it's and I have stock fridge and I have ability mm. to even though my business is like you know like. Non-existent. Yeah, yeah, non-existent. <laughs> I'm able to like survive, and I'm able to figure mm-hmm. out ways to be able to make it come back to get come back together in the in the, in the near future. Mm-hmm. Um, but some folks don't have that that ability to, to do that. 
And so I think yeah, if we can figure true. out a, we can figure out a way with like a something doable for the majority of people in the world, then that's something we should definitely all unite around. No, you're absolutely right. And I think uh, we are, you know, you and I now, because we are doing this, um, mm -hmm. we are very privileged to, you know, have a home, to have somewhere we're safe, where we can, you know, provide ourselves with food and all the essentials. Um, and, you know, the UK as well, we do have our problems. Not everybody is um, has the same circumstance. Um, mm -hmm. But as I said, the government is trying to play um, they're trying to play their part. And even now, just around the corner, um, parents go into schools at the moment to because they get like a weekly shopping. So they go mm. in and if they are, if they do need it, they can't, they do get like um, extra food and groceries for free through the government. Um, but in places, third world countries, you know, um, they don't even have any of those things we've just spoken about. So. No they're not as privileged as we are. And, you know, for places in Africa and like, for example, even India, for them to have the same level of cases as the US or the UK has, um, it would fully destroy them. Yeah. And it's interesting, like in, in India, their president, just like one day said, everything is locked down. Mm. And it, there was no, like, you have two days, it's like no it's all locked down and it's been really interesting that to watch kind of what's happening there because even people have been um attacking healthcare workers who have mm. been going to try to you know let people know you might have been in contact in the test and they're, like, and they're basically taking away with sticks and like mob the people going after mm. them yeah because they can't live they can't live like we can in the west you know no. here people obviously have lost their jobs and their livelihood has changed um, but over there, the population that are in poverty is a lot higher. Right. Now. So they can't afford not to go to work or not to have their jobs or to do something to sustain themselves. I mean, like I was watching a documentary in one house, you have up to 10 children. You know, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. do you survive when you were already living on very little? Right. Right. Or like the, I, um, in the prior episode, I was interviewed two women, um, Tony and Janice, who live in Belize, and mm -hmm. they were saying for a lot of people, they hustle to get their daily. It basically means they they hustle to get money to eat that day. You know, so so they wake up in the morning not knowing where their dinner is going to be coming from, and so they oh, have God. to go out and then do work, like with tourists later mm -hmm. work often. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they get enough money to earn their food for the families that day. Or people live in homes, so they have homes, but they mm -hmm. don't have refrigerators or, or, or oh, refrigeration. Yeah. So it's like you can't stock up food if no, you don't have refrigeration. But, it, but it's a reality for me. No, but, it, but definitely, I think this moment definitely helps us to see these things in more stark reality. I hope that we all make a change around it. Yeah, and I hope we learn, you know, when we learn very quickly to be a lot more compassionate and understanding. Um, I was um, at the airport with my fiance and um, this lady who, she she was from, I think she was from the UK as well. Yeah, she was from the UK. Um, and um, we had our mask on, we were in the airport, but she, she started telling me her experiences in Vietnam. She was, 
she was talking about how um, so many people, when they saw her, um, they would be moving away. So, you know, she was a, she was a white British lady. And mm-hmm. she start, and she said, you know what, this made me realise about how I didn't think about racism or xenophobia, because for her, this was the only time in her life that she experienced something like that. That's where, interesting. Where she's a foreigner, and because obviously, as I said before, in Vietnam, it was a lot of the foreigners that are bringing the virus. So right. the locals being poorer, they wanted to protect themselves. And... Um, a lot of the foreigners weren't wearing masks. So all the Vietnamese people had masks on, but the foreigners didn't. So each time they were coming next to them or whatever, they would maybe move away or make a fake, whatever it may be. And that made her feel uncomfortable. And I just thought, like, what a funny world that it took something like this for her to realise and click in that way. Wow, that is I, I have not heard of people having those kind of experiences. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And it's um it'll be interesting to see it'll be, be, be interesting if you were able to follow up with her and to see how that has that experience changed her world to the long term and how she That's acted true. in the long term. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. She, she's from Wales, and that's why, because I mean, it's an area that doesn't really have a big uh, minority as well. So she's always been used to, you know, being in her world, um, right. not experiencing any prejudice or any xenophobia. So for her to feel that way, I think, yeah, it was eye opening. So now you and your fiance are, um, and I know you are affianced. Um, so congratulations. Thank you very much. Did um so what are you guys doing to stay sane and to stay healthy in these times? Any tips you have for folks? Um try to be in separate rooms. <laughs> 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 Don't you be spending twenty four hours in the same room? <laughs> uh, but well it's great and what we are enjoying is um, exercising together, um, going running. I mean, I used to play football, so I'm trying to teach her a bit of football. So we go down to the local park, um, trying to kick some football around. Um, before she wouldn't do it because she's like, oh, no, I can't play. I'm rubbish. But now that we're kind of stuck together, um, she's kind of trying it, which has been really, really nice because she's getting into it as well. Um, so trying to form a routine where you do things together. I mean, it's not it's not date night. It's not so exciting. But, you know, we look forward to going shopping. <laughs> we look forward <laughs> to going out in the park. Um, yeah. and, and also trying to, like, dress up on a Friday night, just wearing something nice so that you don't, you're not in your PJ all day, every day, really. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so easy to do that. <laughs> You know, I like that idea. That's a good idea. Um, I haven't heard anybody say that yet. Um, it's like getting, having like a date night where you really do get dressed up. And then like these rituals that we have um, in life that we're now trying to recreate in this new life that we're in temporarily. And I think that's an important one, just getting dressed up and like, oh, yes, I'm, I look good. I feel good. I'm with the person who I love and care about. Yep, yep. And also now I've taken up barbering because um, Alexia has <laughs> short hair. <laughs> and it was by force because her hair was going really long. And then she was like, hey, 
So now I'm attempting barbering. So I've been watching loads of YouTube videos. So, um, I'm, I'm becoming pretty good at it. So I might have to start charging soon. Well, it's funny. You know, I went five weeks without cutting my hair. And I, I found every hat that I have in my apartment. And I was rocking it for these video calls. But then like, the hair was getting too big. And the hat couldn't really hold it down. I said, no. I got to find some clippers. And then I just got to just bite the bullet and do it. I will never go back to my barber again. I love my barber. I'm sorry that he's lost my my coin every week, but I'm going to be saving a lot of money because like, literally in every trip that I would take, I would spend time trying to find a barber, mm. a black barber who understands mm-hmm. black hair and can mm-hmm. like speak my language, understand what I want. Yeah. And so, but now I can do it by myself, and so I, I'm like, saving time on trips and saving a lot yeah. of money. No, it's true. And that's what Alexia said to me. She was like, oh, when we go on holiday, you can just do my hair now. I don't have to. <laughs> so there's loads of um, positives that come out of it. Um, but I'll say, yeah, trying to also keep busy in terms of trying to carry on doing individual projects, um, trying to do projects together and, uh, yeah, trying to keep as sane as possible. Um, I mean, I think we've been through every kitchen cupboard now. I've started painting. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I need to redo our balcony. I mean, anything that we can get our hands on, we're like trying to do it. And uh, it's nice. I don't think I've spent this much time in my house before. No, I, I know I have not for sure. Hi, citizens. For today's wellness tips, go to the Quarantine and Chill Facebook page. You can even leave some of your own. So before I let you go, where can folks find you on the socials or online or wherever you want to be found? Oh, yeah, because that is that is the new norm now, isn't it? Mm-hmm, <laughs> Everything's mm-hmm. got to be virtual. Um, so, yeah, you can find me at um, Moonlight underscore experiences. And that is on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, yeah, find me and say hi. And if anybody is ever in London. It will be a pleasure to take you out. And um, 2020 was supposed to be the year where I was going to expand to different cities. So um, I was trying to expand to Lisbon, Barcelona, Paris as well, Amsterdam and New York. So hopefully next year that'll be the case, um, just because I feel it's important to give a platform to all queers um, wherever they are just so that they can feel and experience a lot more of the authentic side of that city and to do it safely really yes i love that my last question for you before i let you go what is one thing that has surprised you uh, about yourself or friends or family during this whole experience my friends um how I think for me, what surprised me, well, I've realized how I don't normally have time to talk to my friends and family because, you know, we will text or you speak to them through social media, but to actually um, talk to them for hours um, on the phone or through a video call, uh, that doesn't normally happen because I think... um, sometimes life can get so busy and unless you're on holiday or you know you go for me if I go back home and it's like either birthday or holiday I don't just have two hours to just keep chatting to friends 
now I do. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's great. So it's made me realize that that's something I need to make more time to do, you know, post COVID-19. I think that's a, uh, something that many people around the world are also realizing and prioritizing. Um, I know I'm definitely going to do that. How I'm going to do it when things get back to normal, that would be the hard part. But I'm going to try. <laughs> well, yes, Aisha, I it's, hope so. It's always great to talk to you. I look forward to seeing you in person. I know we were, we would have been um, in, in Italy together um, um, next week. Um, so hopefully, um, oh. that co- hopefully that happens in the um, in the fall. I think it's supposed to be rescheduled. Um, oh, but so. but but somewhere in the world we'll see each other soon and be able to have a, a great time and thank you again and until tomorrow everyone this has been Jones with Queer and Teen and Chill wash your hands gracias toda oba ni obrigado thank you thank you thank you for joining us for today's episode of Queer and Teen and Chill a creation of yours truly Vincent Jones and Citizen Jones Travel Much love to the amazing Ben Salk, who produces, edits, and makes all the music for the podcast. If you love this episode, please like and leave positive comments on the podcast platform of your choice. You have no idea how much that helps us. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where you can learn more about today's guests and get any resources mentioned in the conversation, as well as connect with other citizens in the Quarantine and Chill community. Until tomorrow, this is Vincent Jones reminding you to wash your hands. That's quarantine and chill. Quarantine and chill. That's quarantine and chill. Quarantine and chill. You know you can't go nowhere.